Hello and welcome to the Weekend Spread, presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network, presented by the Schooner Pod. We need to figure out that uh, that name. But uh, I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we got our panel. We got Jameson, we got Ty, we got Bowden Blake, we got the crew ready, and we have ourselves a full slate, 11 games, including the wild card pick. Uh, and guys, we were we got off pretty good last week. You know, no one went under 500. Uh, two three and ones from Ty and Jameson. Pretty good start. Nice way to wet the beak, Jameson. How, how you feel about your uh, your week zero? I don't care. I do this every year where I do well at the beginning, and then I just hit a straight like one and seven after, and then about week one or week two. So it's only a matter of time. So uh, I, I had a I had a way last year where I I thought all logically about all of my picks, and then. It ended up where Ty just said he shot from the hip. So should we shoot from the hip tonight, Ty? That's what I did, you know, week zero, and here we are tied. So, oh. yeah, you have the cowboy hat. You know, you're you're shooting from the hip out here. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I have I have the SEC bias uh, working with me this season. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, Blake. You do have revenge on your mind. Finished last last year. Uh, you know, obviously as. This is an OU pod, so the TCU guy coming out on top would be pretty good. Are you how how do you feel about your week zero and are you ready to go this week? Look, I overthought at some points and I nailed it at some points. I knew UTEP was gonna create New Mexico State. That happened. Easy money right there. But look, overthought, Hawaii, on island, off island, you just gotta stick to that pattern. And then look, Nebraska. Not not the team I thought they were going to be this year. They're the same old team, if not even worse. Sorry for the Husker fans, but they're probably going to be looking for a new coach next year. Nebraska is so bad. And, you know, I, I feel like I nailed that one so well that I forgot about how badly I botched the other two games. Um, but, you know, you take risks. And, you know, I'm not going to – I don't want to do too much of a victory lap off one game. But feels good to be the only one to get one right. So – all right, that's enough about week zero. Let's talk about week one and our first game of the week. Penn State at Wisconsin. The Badgers are favored by five and a half. This is big nude. Uh, I believe this is big nude Saturday. So look for that on Fox. Uh, Penn State rough year. Wisconsin looking to have a, a pretty solid showing here. Jameson, who do you got between the, uh, the Huskers and the Nittany Lions here? Yeah, there's there's a lot of questions here, and we don't know what's going on, uh, really from the Penn State side because last year was a complete fluke. Is that going to continue on, or do they continue to be a weak team? And Wisconsin, they at least were had some hope. Graham Mertz at the quarterback, uh, and I think he's a kind of guy that can turn into a quarterback that will be a well household name at the end of the season. So I'm going to go Wisconsin uh, minus five and a half. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's it's never a bad idea to go with the home team here, uh, Ty. Who do you got? Badgers, Nittany Lions. I I think um, so. One, I don't really know why. I, I think they're cool. I've just never been able to get on the uh, the Penn State train. I've never been able to to really believe in them. And this is a hot take, but I don't even think that the whiteout is that cool. Honestly, I know they're not playing there, but that, like that's all they have going for them. Um, but I have a really big conspiracy that Wisconsin, like anywhere prior to week five or six is a really, really good – so like Wisconsin always does this good run in the first month and a half and then just embarrasses themselves, uh, and especially because this is home, at home and a, a five-and-a-half line um, with Wisconsin being the higher-ranked one. And, and like Jameson said, I, I think 
I think uh, Wisconsin is the uh, is the take here. Absolutely, it's it's hard to hard to bet against a um, home favorite, especially on week one. Uh, Blake, do you got uh, you're gonna reverse course here, or are you going with the, the Badgers? Sadly, I have to go with the Badgers, but look, I hate this game. These are two really, from last year, very underperforming teams in the Big uh, the Big Ten. If you look at Penn State, Sean Clifford, talk about a guy that fell from grace. In 2019, he was 23 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and then last year, shortened schedule, threw nine INTs, led the entire Big Ten, and I just don't trust that he's going to come back to form uh, whatsoever. And if you look at Penn State's defense, they're only coming back with one starter in that front seven. So there's a lot of instability with that defense. I don't really trust the offense, but on the flip side of the coin, you got Wisconsin. And Wisconsin, Graham Mertz, like, he came out of the gates hot. We were talking about the dairy raid last year. That was the hot, the hot thing in the streets that – uh, the Badgers have finally gone away from the run game and they've gone to a pass-heavy attack, and look, they just didn't do that well with it. 2020 was horrendous offensively. They were 103rd in the nation, and we really saw that. Like After the first two weeks, they really broke down and kind of got exposed. But the one thing I kind of like in this game is 8 of 11 starters back with a really, really, really good Wisconsin uh, defense. We're talking about a team that led the Big Ten in defense, kept them in games, even though their offensive uh, offense was just so anemic. So just because of that, position like that one side edge i gotta give it to wisconsin at home i just don't believe in penn state and where they at right now and so i just gotta go with the badgers yeah i i think that's fair and my thing with is i I, penn state is going to be much improved this year you're not going to see another repeat of what happened last year with that being said though uh, this is a really tough draw uh first weekend i think this is going to be a nail biter down to the wire type of game um you know, James James Franklin is too good of a coach to have two bad years back to back, but this uh, Badger team is just a little bit too good. Give me Wisconsin at home. I think it's I think it's going to be a tight cover. I would not touch this game with a twenty and a half foot pole. Uh, but I, for the for the purpose of picking these games, I got to go Wisconsin for sure. So um, there we go. Unanimous uh, Badgers here. Let's move on to another Big Ten matchup. Because they just love putting those mid-top 25 games out there. Indiana at Iowa. Number 17. The number 17 Hoosiers looking to build off of their miracle season last year. Facing the Hawkeyes. Uh, Iowa's favored by three and a half. About Tree Fitty. Jameson, how are you feeling about this? Do you think Indiana you know, has a chance to replicate their run? Or do you think it's going to be uh, Hawkeyes? I knew it. We talked before in this. And we were like, oh, we're going to snake it. We're going to let Jameson go first, and then Bobby's going to go last, and then Bobby's going to go first. And here we go. And Bobby's trying to go last again. Here's Clinton. Okay, Jameson. He's tied last right now. Okay, Jameson. You're right. Let's go back to the snake. I apologize. Blake, you're all right. You're up. Who do you got? Indiana or Iowa? Oh, no. No, Bobby's up. Bobby is up. Blake is up. (laughs) Bobby's the snake. He's lost in the snake. Bobby's like, oh, you got me. And they're doing the same thing. You're right. Look, I'm lost in the snake. I'm too busy out here hosting, trying to spin storylines for everyone. Let me just start with it. Iowa, I think, is going to win this one straight up. Indiana had a great season last year. But as you see with, you know, some of these one-hit wonder teams, you know, you just can't replicate the magic that you had before. 
Um, I think this game is going to be a pretty close one. Again, another rock fight. You know, these Big Ten matchups, especially early in the season, you can't you have to take some time to separate the wheat from the chafe, quite literally. Uh, but I think Iowa at home gets the edge here and uh, takes on the win. All right, Blake, now you are up on the snake. Awesome. So I'm running with you, Bobby. I'm going Iowa minus three and a half. And the big kicker here is kind of like what you said, and I touched on it in our preseason gambling pod. I'm going to touch on it again. The dream season, it was an incredible run for Indiana. It was awesome to watch, but the numbers really reflect the talent of this team. They were 94th best offense in the nation, which is pitiful, and they had a decent kind of average D with 43rd. And with those numbers and the actual results they got from them, it's insane that they were able to only have two losses on their schedule. And Penix, I love him. He's awesome to watch that Penn State play in overtime. What an incredible, incredible play. One will always remember, but he's a health scare. He hasn't played a single season full straight through, and I don't like that when betting Indiana because if he goes down, this game's immediately over for them, and we kind of saw it towards the end of last year. And if you're really trying to back Indiana, the only thing you're hanging your hat on is that they're returning a lot of starters. But like I said, their stats really don't back up really the results of this team last year. They just got a lot of luck. Iowa, on the other hand, a very, very good team. They don't return a lot of people, but look, there's two metrics that I really like about Iowa, what Kurt Fairings has done there. If you look at their player development stats, they're first, which means they have one of the lowest recruiting ranks out of any uh, out of any team any given year, but they're producing the most NFL talent. And the same thing when it comes to win conversion. They're having really bad classes, but yet they can develop these guys and they're getting solid seasons out of them. And I just like that when you're in a situation when you've had a lot of starters leave. Uh, and also the one guy they really are returning is ben, uh, Tyler Goodson, who's a who was first team Big Ten uh, running back last year. I just really like the Hawk the position this position i feel like people are really going to overhype indiana bet them i love this iowa three and a half number i think it's going to be not a blowout but i think Iowa's going to win pretty handily yeah iowa three and a half seems like a bit of a tricky little bit of a trap here uh for sure by the way uh shout out my guy sean uh poku uh, it, it's way too early way too way too early to start the jabs at poor poku for sure but and also not even the right sport but i appreciate you watching me uh all right ty you're up indiana iowa yeah I, so i want to start uh real quick my my segment here with a question to blake how do you feel about the 45 and a half over under 40 under under, under i love yeah, okay. yeah. Big 10 <laughs> unders baby Big 10 football <laughs> Yeah, so uh, really, it's this one for me is is short. Um, it's I like to play like I'm shooting from the hip, but I did do some homework here, and and you can't. For me, it's it's Big Ten football <laughs> early in the season. You know, we already got burned with with Nebraska and and their game uh, week zero. But I gotta say, at home, you cannot go against the wave. So give me Iowa. Fair enough. Fair enough. The the, the wave. They, they're doing it for the kids, man. They're doing it for the kids. Uh, Jameson, is it going to be another unanimous decision? I know you've wanted to make this pick for a while. You've had a long time to <laughs> stew on it. Dude, I'm I'm really I'm struggling with this one because yes, all signs point to Iowa, but like Blake said, they have a lot of guys that aren't returning. You know, um, it's tough. One of them, Nick Neiman, was just an absolute beast at the linebacker position for him last year. Was all over the field, and 
what worries me is I could just see this being a low scoring game and then Iowa winning by three. It just hurts me. The um, line has shifted a little bit since we last looked at it to Iowa minus three. And I understand that's a lot of people going after Indiana because they know them better. And Iowa didn't get a lot of fame last year. Um, but I'm tempted. To, I, I think I'm going to go against the grain just for the content. I'm going to go Indiana plus three and a half. I understand Iowa's a better team, but I think I just like the number three better. I just think it's going to be a close game. Jameson using that snake to his advantage. I'm just saying. No, I, I was going to pick that from the beginning. Give, give me enough. the front end right here. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Let's let's feature that front end. Let's give you that front end right now. Moving on to a bit of a better game in our favorite conference in the world, the SEC. Never never had any doubts about the SEC. Never ever complained about them. Uh, number one, Alabama, Miami. Bama's favored by nineteen. This uh, game is being played at basically Alabama's second home uh, in um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They have never lost in that stadium. Uh, won a national championship oh, wow. there as well. Yeah, so this is a, this is a situation where the Canes have been uh, – this line has shifted from about 18 to 18 and a half to 19. So uh, it's a tall number to cover, but Jameson, do you think the Hurricanes can do it? No. Um, here's my problem with it. Derek King is getting a lot of hype just because he does, does that every offseason. But let's not forget this man tore his ACL and he's not a year out from it. He's under that year mark, and that's how you kind of gauge things. And I'm just not ready to go into that. Uh, if, if, and if he's out there not playing to the best of his ability as a mobile quarterback, um, no matter how confident he is, Alabama's defense is not going to be a pleasant you know, time for him for his first game back. Um, also people are talking big about the Charleston Rambo connection then to, you know, be one of the best quarterback wide receiver combos in college football. I'm not buying that either. I think Bryce Young is a very, very talented quarterback. We'll have some hiccups, but, um, Derek King will have more. I'm going to go Alabama minus 19. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Ty, who do you got? I, so before I, I, this is one of the games I'm most excited to see, um, because I expect it not to be a close game at all. Um, I, I have to give, <laughs> this is just, Derek King is such a crazy, crazy story to me because of some of the, like the longevity that we've seen in some college players. Uh, most people probably remember this, but there might be one or two listeners or viewers that, that don't remember this. Derek King was the quarterback with Tom Herman at Houston that upset OU in 2016, which is just absurd to think about you know, how long ago that was in, in the football timeline. That was before Tom Herman was even hired at Texas. He's not fired and I don't even know where. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just crazy. I don't think he's that good of a, of a quarterback though. And he talked a lot of crap about Alabama and he said not only that they were going to beat Bama, but that they were going to like embarrass them or something ridiculous, like blow them out or something. That's absurd. Give me that. Miami's not on that level. They're, you're not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. And Nick Saban, <laughs> Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide are. This is an easy. I know it's a, almost 20 points. If this was a 35-point cover, give me Bama. Easy. Wow. Big on the Tide here there. Um, Blake, who do you got? Y'all are all wrong. I sit in no. our group text earlier this week and on the Miami message boards, one guy called up a witch doctor and said they put a curse, a curse on Bama. And then they followed the band or, and then the U fans followed it up with the best diss track we have ever 
heard. And if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, just look into YouTube, Alabama Distract Miami, and it is the most awesome thing you'll see. But even without all those curses and all the distracts, I still like Miami in this position. Look, if you're looking at Bama, they're only returning three starters on their offense. They're returning a wide receiver, a left tackle, and a right guard. I know Bryce Young's going to be a really good quarterback, and I know Nick Saban gets his guys prepared, but they might come out with a little bit of rust of just never playing uh, playing together. They're going to be solid on defense, but 19 is a huge number. And on the Miami side of things, y'all just be clowning Miami, and I know they were a mean team a few years ago, but look, last year they went 8-3. and three. Their three losses are UNC, Clemson, and OSU, who are very respectable te- uh, teams. The move to Rhett Lashley from Dan Enos was by far one of their best moves. It really took away from the pro-style offense that uh, Miami has been used to running for decades and decades and decades. Finally modernized it to get to a spread attack, and it really showed. I think De'Ara King really thrived there. Their offensive line improved. They went from... I think they were in 2019, they allowed the fourth most sacks in FBS and moved that up to about middle of the pack. So I see this team really improving. They're a team that's returning a lot, a lot, a lot of starters. Plus, this number is just way too big. I got to take the U. I love the diss track. I love the curse. It's just too many points for me. Bobby, you're muted. So this is the this track we're talking about, right? Oh god, let's take a look. Let's see what this guy has up his sleeve here. This guy's very Miami. Can you hear this is Miami? Can you can you guys hear it at all? I don't need some audio. Okay. Legally, legally, and Blake might be able to clarify. I think we actually have to, to commentate occasionally. To play a video. How, how are you picking Miami? I can't hear anything, but I see this squeamish 140 pound Gareth Key right now. Yeah, this isn't doing audio rap. at all. That this is I, I want to say while Bobby's trying to figure out technical difficulties, I don't disagree with Blake at all about Miami. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be picking them more this season. They're probably gonna be one of my wild cards uh, when they're not on the slate because I agree with everything Blake said about Miami, but this is Alabama and, and in folks, Atlanta. Like it, that's absurd. I, I got to say this, the amount of hubris Miami has is bringing to this game is the amount of hubris I had trying to make production decisions in the middle of a show. It just doesn't work. And they're just way too confident for having nothing to back it up. And that's, that's the thing. That's how Derek King works. Every time he goes into a season, you always think he's going to be better than he is. And he never is. That's the same with Charleston Rambo on a smaller level. And I know it's 19. I know that's a lot of points, but you just got to trust Alabama to pour it on. And you, 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 I have a feeling they're just going to reload on this. Um, so g- yeah, give me Alabama uh, minus 19 here. I, I just, I, I, I just don't see it in Miami. Um, give me the tide. I, I'm just going to say this one more time for people. This is a guy who's about eight to nine months recovering from an ACL surgery. That's just unbelievable. If you think, they, the only reason Miami's going to stay in this game, Derek King make play, makes plays. I don't care how fast and lag out. Am I yeah, Jameson, you lagged out. 
Sorry, everyone. Technical difficulties. <laughs> this is great. Um, I, the, I think the jinx, the Miami jinx is affecting our technical difficulties. Maybe Blake is being proven right. The, the witch doctor has carried onto the show. That's yeah. why you don't bring up witches, Blake. Don't, no, don't mess. Don't y'all read it. I sent it to y'all. Y'all knew what you were doing by testing fate. We'll see this weekend, but I'm really high. Blake has now been jinxed. <laughs> see, now Blake is jinxed. I don't like it. We're moving on for this game. This game is cursed. I hate it. It's throwing the show off. All right, let's move on to probably one of the best opening <laughs> best opening weekend games we've had probably ever. Number three, Clemson. Number five, Georgia. Uh, the Tigers favored by three. Um, this is as good as it gets. This is a college football playoff matchup. That could happen. Uh, even no matter who loses or or, or what. Um, and I'm going to get this thing started because it's a snake. So I feel like I always make this mistake where every time Clemson has a bit of a down period or, you know, has to change quarterbacks or, or something happens, I start thinking it's their time to fall. This is also going to be their time to fall, though. I'm changing my mind. I'm, I'm just saying, I think this Georgia team, I don't know if they're the team to win the SEC. I don't know if they're the team to win a national championship finally, but I do think they're going to win this ball game. I think it's going to be close. I think it could be one of those just epics. I just um, I, I just think they have too much experience, uh, and I, I think Daniels is just good enough to get them over the edge here. So give me give me Georgia straight up. For the purpose of the, uh, for the purposes of the show, Georgia plus three, but straight up Georgia. So, uh, next up, Blake, who do you got in this? I gotta go with you, Bobby, and I gotta go with the Bulldogs. And really, there's stuff I hate about both of these squads. When you're going into Georgia, you do get JT Daniels, and as we saw in the final four games last year, he brought a lot of juice to that squad, and finally, kind of got them going. Uh, got some momentum. I thought they had a great bowl uh, bowl game win against Cincinnati, a team that I think people were underrating at the time. And I hope team uh, they get properly rated this year. But uh, there is some things to worry about Georgia. They lost uh, George Pickens, their top receiver, uh, in spring practice. Their top four cornerbacks are no longer there. So they're basically starting with a fresh secondary this year against a team like Clemson that likes to throw. But I just got to rely on the fact that Kirby Smart gets a good defense. And, like, the good thing is they're really good at stopping the run. They were number one in the nation last year. So if Clemson's new quarterback can't go out there, can't get the passing established, Clemson's kind of screwed because if they try to establish the run a little bit, Georgia's going to be there to stop them. And it's going to put a lot of pressure on a guy who only has about two games under his belt. And so, and on the Clemson side of things, there's not not a lot of like to either because, like, we look back at the last game we saw them as Ohio state. They allowed 639 yards and 49 points versus an elite team. But Georgia, I think is an elite team that can fight for the sec crown. And so I think Dabo's strategy of not taking any transfers, just having to try to develop young guys to fill holes in this defense that they obviously had last year when we saw them in the playoff. I think that's going to bite them in the butt eventually. You've got to get veteran guys to plug these holes. And if you don't do that, it's you're going to suffer. And I think that's with the new quarterback and Clemson's defense, just kind of where we left them last. I'm, I'm leaning towards Georgia more. And so I'll take them in this. Yeah. I, I think, I, I'm with you there. I, I think it's a very tight game for sure. Uh, Ty, who do you got? 
So this one, this one's really it, to me. Last week when we were talking about it, and even the week prior, we were talking about uh, wins and losses for the season. This this was a very clear cut one to me, um, and it started to become a little bit more murky as I've as I've read more about both teams. Um, which is just, I, I really, I, I believe, I think that Kirby Smart is a great coach. I, I really do. Um, you know, as, as an OU fan, as painful as it is to say, you know, that, that game in, in the playoffs against Georgia uh, was rough. And, and I give Kirby Smart a lot of the credit for that. Um, obviously, Dabo Sweeney is an amazing coach as well in, in what he's done with that team. And I think the obvious choice here is that Clemson takes it uh, minus three, but my notes here for the game, you'll notice I've written from four because <laughs> Georgia quarterbacks to me are named just like their mascot. You have Jake Fromm, and then everyone that's come back after him. Uh, and they're currently on the fourth quarterback since Jake Fromm, who I just learned is not currently their quarterback uh, because for the past four years, or however long I've assumed that he's still been their quarterback. Um, so that's a knock against Georgia for me. I wanted to go, I really wanted to go, and I'm literally deciding this as I speak it. I'm going to have to go Clemson because that was my initial thought, and I don't want to overthink it. So just shooting from the hip again, I'm going to go Clemson, but I really, really agree with Bobby's Georgia outright take as well. So very conflicted, but for the record, give me Clemson. Yeah. So if, if Clemson doesn't cover, then yeah, they lost outright. That's fair. But um, I was still right either way. Exactly. Playing both sides, so I always come out on top. <laughs> for sure. Well, for I, sure. I would love. I would love. I don't think they're going to have a chance at beating Bama in the SEC championship, but I would love for there to be an OU Georgia rematch in the playoffs because I really think that we would do some amazing stuff there. But and I think that that would require a win against Clemson. I want that for the poetry. I think it'd be really cool if the the team we finally got over the hump was the team that we got the closest to getting over the hump last time. I think think no matter what Georgia does, if they lose to Clemson by one and they lose to Bama by one in the SEC championship, that could be the deciding factor that doesn't get them in. Because at that point, they've presumably lost to two of the four teams in the playoff. Um, So I I think this game decides Georgia's playoff fate. For sure, right here. Because I, I, I don't think they have a chance at beating Bama. And I, I think this game, week one, decides whether or not Georgia is going to go to the playoff, no matter what they do the rest of the season. I I wouldn't go that far because I think we, we, we've seen two lost teams make the playoff in the SEC. And, but uh, those are two lost teams that haven't played two teams also in the play. Because if you're assuming a, a Clemson-Oklahoma playoff scenario – Georgia's lost to two of those teams already, and I could see there being a very big, you know, point of debate in in the the committee where you're looking at, you know, Ohio State's a bigger market anyways. Who knows what their record is in this hypothetical? But I really don't. I can see two lost teams in the playoff. Obviously, not crazy, but a team that's already lost to two teams that are presumably going to be in the playoff. You know, and I got my fingers crossed for UNC as well, but I don't think that that's very probable at all with a fourteen playoff. It would it would have to be lightning striking, perfectly right. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it works. I, I don't think this would be a total disqualifier uh, if Georgia lost, but we'll see how it plans. We'll, we'll obviously see how it pans out. Uh, Jameson, your take on Clemson Georgia? 
Here's my thing. Well, I'm going to hit on the Georgia in the playoffs thing. They don't play Alabama during the regular season, so it's just be SEC championship or bust for them. You know, that's just how it's going to be. Um, but moving on from that, I think Blake made the point for Clemson to me and exactly what I was going to say. Georgia's defensive backs are gone completely. Both cornerbacks, safety, gone. You know, and those are high-end picks, very talented guys. And I think Justin Ross is one of the more talented wide receivers in the nation. And I think that um, having DJ Uyagale playing last year in those big-time games gave him the, you know, the experience he needed to come out on game one and play in a big environment and step up to the challenge. He did step up to the challenge in those games, even though they didn't go his way perfectly. He was playing and playing decently. Um, so I like Clemson here, minus three, um, and Justin Ross having a big-time game. Fair enough, fair enough. So we got ourselves a split finally, thank goodness. All right, moving on. Jameson, I'm pumped that you ended up on the uh, snake to give your first opinion on this. We're moving on to the Big 12 games because we are a, a Big 12 podcast for sure. So we're starting out Baylor at Texas State. The Bears going down to San Marcos to play our boys Boco. Uh, Baylor favored by 14. Jameson, how tempted are you to take Texas State in the points? So, so tempted. And here's my problem. The only reason I know Texas State's returning players is because I played a dynasty with the NCAA 14 with them. And I know that they have at least a couple guys returning on offense, that wide receiver that I eventually won the Heisman with in NCAA 14. <laughs> and, and an older quarterback. But here's the thing. If we remember last year, I was not on the Boko bandwagon to begin with. It was not originated from the beginning. Ty was on them, and I really liked the pick, and I loved it. And I was like, I want a little bit. Mm, I, I had, I like, one game. They were my wild card. Yes, and it was at the very beginning of the year, and I loved the action. I hopped on, and I got on right whenever there was, everyone was getting off the bus, and it just killed me over and over and over. Now I'm a smarter man. I can't do 14 points with Boko. I just know that they just disappointed me too much. I'm going to do Baylor minus 14. And if Texas State makes it close, it's going to be a win-win situation. But I just don't see it. Emotional hedging. I love it. That sounds like a hedge. I was about to say it. It sounds like a hedge. (laughs) That was not my reasoning in my pick. That was just, you know, You just said you're like... Oh, it's the Colin Cowherd hedge. He's like, I bet against my team, so I'm happy either way. That's what you just did. No, that was not my reason for the pick, though. That was not my reason for the pick. That was just a nice little delight. That's what I do with OU all the time. Fair fair enough. My 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 reasoning was because I got onto the the Boco train too late. I think that it's already departed. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Okay, Ty, you picked Baylor last in your Big 12 rankings uh, below Kansas. Do you think they get the losing off to a hot start with a loss by the river against uh, Boco and Texas State? Here's here's the thing about I'm Boco. I'm going to interrupt. I want to pick Boco. Oh. I want to pick with my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Jameson has no, changed his mind. He said it. I couldn't he do it. He said it. Everyone gets, no, everyone, everyone, everyone gets one mulligan this season, and Jamison has burnt it halfway through no, the first no, episode. No, yes, yes. And no, he's no, you can't burn it on Texas State. No, no, no. You've I'm burned not it burning on Texas it. State. I'm not burning it. I'm not burning You're burning it. it. You can't, you can't <laughs> unburn the burn. You can't unburn the burn, Jamison. 
Oh, they All right. Six o'clock. I don't like that either. Okay. So, okay. Uh, what does that have to do with anything? Bruno doesn't play good in the night lights of Texas that they can't show up in prime time, Jason. Yes, Is that you're what exactly, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. You know, uh, the, okay, the student section, if they show up, at least they'll all be like fired up on Frio Light, you know, and, you know, like maybe they'll show uh, up and get excited. No, Texas State, they'll be on cocaine. I don't know. If <laughs> I, I do not enjoy this, Bobby, that I there's only one mulligan and then you just ex post factoed me on this. Okay. As fine. I made the mulligan, hey, lawyer Blake, look, I made look, the look, mulligan look. and then he made the law after I made the mulligan. So therefore, I'm- it should not be put in place. I said we. I say the resolution should be Jameson gets his mulligan back, but he has to go with Boko this week. Okay, I'll, he has I'll to go, go with. Boko. He has I to go, go with Boko. Boko. I, I, I think very, very good job there, counselor. I appreciate it. Uh, we figured it out. All right, Ty, you can finally go. Who do you got? Baylor. Or Texas State. I don't even know what's going on. I'm gonna keep it quick for this one. Texas State is trash. Like they're just absolutely trash. I don't think there's any home field advantage here in in San Marcos versus Waco. There's no home field advantage in Waco either. Oh um, my god. But you're wearing a TCU shirt, Blake. I don't like how many teams are you going to like you're like in But you got to uh, support the Big 12. They're oh not, my god, we got a conference fan here. There's a the difference between hat. there's there's a difference between there's a huge difference between the crowds that a Baylor game and a Texas State game brings out. Texas State maybe draws a thousand fans, maybe in this, yeah, sure? in this specific demographic. But the Texas State fans are absolute wild cards. You never know what they're going to do. Are we sure? Um, this wild card of what? When have they brought out fans? <laughs> are we sure? That- <laughs> no, sorry, guys. Just let's just cut it short. I'm going to pick Baylor. Give me Baylor here. But okay. like I don't. I know Blake is super high on on Baylor for some reason. I thought he was a TCU no, alum. Now he's a Baylor alum. I'm very confused. I need a mute button like in uh, around the horn, you know, with the little <laughs> graphic and everything. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure where that this game isn't being played in a Bucky's parking lot, but we'll figure that out. Uh, and the answer is definitely all of no San Marcos is just a Bucky's parking lot. To be fair, so valid point. Blake, who do you got? Uh, I know you were big on Jake Spavital uh, a couple years ago. Do you think he makes his rebound this year? No, I do not. And I'm not saying I'm a Baylor fan, but I will support the Shield. There's the hateful eight is still out there supporting that Big 12 Shield. So I will support our teams going forward. But look, <laughs> Texas State, there is there is absolutely nothing to love. They were 125th in defense last year. They are trash. And there is not much to like about Baylor whatsoever when it comes to the offensive end. But 125th is horrible and then the most shocking stat around boco boco didn't bring in a single recruit this year they had one transfer they brought in one person into their program this year that is where they're out of a program that shows I know you how I'm... much they believe in their current team blake <laughs> oh my god and i was tooting jake spavitol's horn a while ago but man he can get the offense a little clicking, but there is no defense. And when you are that bad, you got to bring in somebody different, and they don't have it. And Baylor, look, when it gets to Big 12 time, Baylor is going to be nothing good. And I don't think they're going to be last in the Big 12, like Ty says, but they're not going to be very good. Dave Aranda, definitely not the future. In I think he's just a good – he's a very good coordinator, not a very good head coach. But, look, when it comes to this game – uh, Gary Bohannon got named the starter this week. 
This man cannot throw with crap, but he can run. In 2019, really the only time we've ever seen him play, he only had 187 pass yards, but he had 267 rush yards. He had more rush attempts than pass attempts. So with a team that's 125th in defense coming against a guy that's a somewhat dual threat, like he can pass well enough against a Texas State, they're not going to be able to contain a dual threat. Who are we getting? Like, they can't stop a nosebleed. They're not going to be able to stop a fast quarterback. So I'm going with Baylor. I don't even think Texas State's – they might get a uh, sneaky field goal, but they're not scoring this entire game. There's no way. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to make this one quick. Uh, Baylor wins this one. I am also very low on, on the Bears, but uh, Boko is um... – yeah, this is going to be a problem. They're not going to be great this year for sure. So, uh, Texas State, or sorry, ah, nope, Baylor minus. No, 14. no, no, you said it. <laughs> no, no, Baylor minus fourteen. I didn't say the line with it. You Baylor minus use fourteen. Use your mulligan if you want, Bobby. No, I will not, Jameson. I, hey, I am. Try out uh, Travis Graham Jr., a Belinda Koff winner at the end of the season. Okay, there you go. You know, make making those NCAA fourteen dreams into reality. Next up, we have an ACC matchup that should. It's not an ACC matchup, but it absolutely yeah, it should is. be. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it should be Big Ten versus the uh, Big 12 for some reason. Uh, West Virginia traveling to Maryland, and the Mountaineers are favored by three and a half. Um, well, yeah, no, I think this line has changed. It's two and a half, I believe I have on our list. The graphic's wrong. Uh, I do not understand this. I, I feel like West Virginia has gotten a ton of hype. I know Maryland is like not great at all, but uh, you know, I, I don't think Maryland or West Virginia is good enough to win on the road, you know, win as a road dog. This isn't even like a situation where they're playing this at, you know, FedEx field. This is a, this is a true road game. So give me the Terrapins to win this one uh, and start the big 12 on a rough, rough opening week. Um, Blake, your turn. Wrong, Bobby wrong there is nothing you should like about this maryland team whatsoever first they have the worst offensive coordinator i think in the na- in nation and danny knows danny knows was the first was the first oc at miami with that horrible manny diaz year got fired after one year didn't even get uh didn't even have a leash to go on for another year this man is horrible and if we're going to talk about their head coach loxley look the man can get some talent there, but he does not know how to use it whatsoever. Their defense is horrendous. It's 85th in the nation overall. They allowed 40 – like, this is the perfect illustration of how bad Maryland's defense is. They allowed 43 points to Northwestern last year, and with the speed that team – that Northwestern team gives off, like, I don't even think they can spend 43 points if you didn't feel the defense. So – my Maryland's doing miracles out here by being that bad on the defensive end. And I'm a little higher on West Virginia. I think West Virginia, they're a solid offensive team. I really like Neil Brown. I think he was a good hire from Troy. He's finally in year three where I think he has a system set up. And they lost a, pe- a lot of people on the defensive end. But look, they were the fourth best defense in the nation last year. Many people don't think that just because of West Virginia – they're a very solid average team, but Neil Brown can coach on the defensive end and he can get some production out of the offensive side. I think Maryland's just overhyped. They have a lot of talent, don't know how to use it. Worst offensive coordinator in the nation. We're going to get to the second worst later. 
give me West Virginia all the way. This is one of my favorite picks of the week. Okay, well, that's some confidence right there. All right, Ty, West Virginia, Maryland, who do you got? Uh, yeah, so this one, this one's rough. Uh, Blake kind of covered all the stuff that that I was was able to read into. So this is one of the ones that truly did come down to, you know, just kind of a, <clears throat> a whatever. Uh, West Virginia, I'm not super high on. I, I know they're a chippy team, and they show out when they play Texas and when they play OU, but they're just perpetually underperforming. Um, Maryland, really my only uh, memories and, and thoughts of, of Maryland are obviously beating Texas. Got to bring that up. Texas lost Maryland back-to-back. Uh, and they have a, just a great flag and, and great branding uh, with their uniforms and, and everything else. Um, I think because this is at Maryland, you know, I, I really think that this is one of the games where there's not really a massive home field advantage. Uh, I've lived on the, the East coast over there. It's not that hard to, to travel around there. So I'm going to go Maryland uh, here personally, just because West Virginia, all they have going for them is uh, that one song that says West Virginia. Um, and really that's supposed to refer to Western Virginia, not actually West Virginia. They just truncated it to uh, better fit the, the song. So West Virginia really has nothing going for it. Um at all besides Pittsburgh, which which isn't even in West Virginia. So give me Maryland. Okay. Okay. There you go. Uh, Jameson, you're up. This is two and a half, correct? This is two and a half. Yes. I would have still taken it at three and a half. I'm slamming West Virginia. I'm with Blake here. Maryland was miserable last year. Absolutely miserable. You know, I don't understand what y'all are getting this Maryland. Have you just see a home team and you see a team that you don't like in West Virginia? No, West, West Virginia, Virginia is also confident. miserable. They They're aren't though. Miserable. They were a deep. They were competent. a decent Big Twelve team. Yeah, they had a great defense last year. Incredible. Not, are they defense, good? Actually. They're are they good? No. Um, but still they have, you know, one of the Stowe's brothers returning and they've got a decent defense around him. And you know, I, I understand Daigie isn't some great quarterback, but you know, he's competent enough. Maryland. You, okay. Do you guys remember the last game of the season for Maryland? Do you know who they lost? No. To? Why would we remember that? Oh, because they lost. <laughs> Rutgers? What's it? Rutgers? Yeah. Rutgers. <laughs> and it was a huge, huge game where everyone was going crazy for the Rutgers win. And I just, I'm slamming West Virginia minus two and a half here. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, yeah, this one might be an L for us, uh, Ty. I do not feel great about this after hearing all the stats. I don't I was feel great just, about it either, but I just like I, – you guys are too high on, on West Virginia. They're not – I really don't think they're that good. I, I know they're they're a team that can be good occasionally, but uh, ever since Rogaine left, I really – they're they're really been suffering. Oh I just like – they are a solid team. They're well coached. They don't get as much talent, but they do something with it. Maryland has like – they got like a five-star receiver last year. Can't do crap with talent. They just – they yeah. get – they're really good recruiters, but not good – they don't put on a good on-field product. So yeah, they flipped Rakeem Jarrett right at the end, and I thought it was like, oh, they're just going to use this guy. He's going to be like a superstar all like four years he's there. He only got two touchdowns last year. So, like, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Fair enough. Is, fair enough. is Maryland's starting quarterback, and then we can move on, is it still Tua's brother? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There you go. So I got to say – uh, nice little transition here. Speaking of our old pal Rogaine, uh, back in Big 12 competition facing Texas Tech. This is a part of the Texas Bowl Classic. Uh, so not technically a Houston home game, but it is played at NRG Stadium. Uh, us OU fans know how that can be. 
Uh, Tech is favored by one point. Um, Jameson, the snake goes to you. Yeah, I think we talked a little about this in our uh, Big 12 season preview. I like Texas Tech a lot, and I think a lot of us were kind of on that. You know, Tyler Shaw, uh, you know, transferred from Oregon as a guy who's been there in the big moments and has played. Even though he wasn't, you know, immaculate as a quarterback, you know, he's shown to be there and be decent. And, you know, Sir Roderick Thompson at the, at the running back. I think Texas Tech is a, is a good team in Houston. Uh, you know, they have a lot of returners on defense, and they showed some good offense. I think it's going to be a really good game. But um, I just like the talent more on Texas Tech's end. Fair enough. So give me uh, minus ta- one. Te- I guess I guess with this, the way we're picking it is we're just picking Texas Tech to win. This is a pick them by our rules. Yeah, it's all right. It's, it's one a, yes. Yeah, by our rule, this is basically a pick them, yes. Uh, Ty, who do you got? So w- with me, it's it, Texas Tech, it's it's all about the QB. Um, they got Tyler Sourdough, uh, but they also got my boy – Columbia, I, I I'm a big fan of Columbia just because his hair. I we can't. I Bobby, maybe you can pull up a picture and do your magic for the viewers, for the listeners. You're gonna have to Google it yourself. But Columbia is just a perfect Texas Tech quarterback to me uh, because he's just perpetually underperforming. He's not even the starter, and I'm talking about him uh, just perpetually underperforming. But uh, just doesn't even look like he should be playing college football, which is amazing. Uh, but because we're picking outright. I really think that both of these teams aren't that great. Um, I think that in the coming years, both of these teams should be conference opponents. Uh, it's kind of a hot take there, and I know it'll never happen for Houston, unfortunately. But because we're picking out right, I got to go with with the Red Raiders. Maybe it's nostalgia for uh, for Mike Leach and for uh, the 08 Raiders specifically. But give me Tech here to uh, take the win and then naturally the cover. There's no way you can win without covering. That is true. That is very well for, for the Schooner Pods purposes. Let me clarify for the people betting: we have have decided that for the sake of simplicity, we count pushes as as wins. Um, you know, if it's if it's by one point, you have money on it. Um, it's a push. This is uh, Columbia, by the way. Look at that hair. Yeah, his roster photo is even better. But yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a good one too. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, like Ty said, uh, this is basically a pick. I'm, I just kind of didn't phrase it correctly uh blake who do you got y'all are so wrong and why you are overhyping texas tech matt wells stinks as a head coach he is awful they had people in lubbock last year thinking that they should hire art bryles to replace him the pr nightmare that is art bryles texas tech was about to gamble on that over matt wells that is how bad Matt Wells is as a head coach. And you know who they brought in to kind of solve all their offensive problems that they've been struggling? TCU offensive coordinator, Sonny Cumbie. I alluded to it earlier. One of the worst offensive players in the entire nation. I spent years, years of watching this man do some of the dumbest play calling I ever have seen. He doesn't know how to run the ball. He'll run it out of the shotgun. Makes absolutely no sense. Doesn't know how to dream up a pass play to utilize your talent. This man at TCU was getting our some of our best classes, our best quarterbacks, and couldn't utilize them whatsoever. And I really like Sourdough or Shao or however you pronounce his name. I like he's a good pickup for them. He like Jameson said, he has played in big time games, but you're pairing him with one of the worst offensive coordinators that TCU just let go for free. He's we wanted to get 
so we wanted to get rid of him so bad. Matt Wells, not a good coach. And on the other side of things, I don't think Holgerson has done that good, probably at uh, U of H. But I think they're gaining some momentum as a program. Last year, they had eight cancellations due to COVID. Their junior quarterback, Clayton Toon, really was never able to get in the groove. And even talked about that in interviews. It's like whenever your games are constantly being canceled he hasn't had a full season where he can go in have a game plan each week and know he's gonna play and with a one point spread like this i don't think matt wells is gonna be there for another two years i think he's gone i think if they somehow found a coach worse than cliff kingsbury i don't trust this texas x coaching staff at all i'll at least know holgerson has had some success give me holgerson and the houston cougars yeah and i'll put it this way I think Houston, if you look at their record, it's not nearly – if you look at the their record, you're like, this team's garbage. What are they going to do? But if you look at the the circumstances, like Blake said, it, it's really not that bad. 2020, you kind of have to throw it out the window. Their first game was October 8th. Uh, with the amount of cancellations, the amount of issues they had with COVID, uh, you know, two of their losses were to BYU and Cincinnati, two great – great programs last year. Uh, and then you look at what, what Texas Tech did. And you're like, you know, maybe they might be on the rise. Well, look at what they did. Outside of a double overtime almost win against Texas, their loss, or they um, narrowly beat Kansas 16-13. to 13. They narrowly beat Houston Baptist, who literally one of their stands is, or their, their field is bordered by a CVS. I kid you not. There is a CVS in their stadium. Uh, not like as an amenity, but it's just a CVS. Uh, and if you just look at Tech, you know, the only thing they really did was beat West Virginia at home. And Texas Tech is a much was a much worse team on paper. Um, and Houston is a much they're they're a much worse team in actuality than they are on paper. And Houston, I feel like, kind of had a bad deal of it, so kind of kicked that out. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a good game. But give me the Cougars. Give me that weird, you know, uh, NRG stadium magic to prevail for the Cougars here. Uh, so I, I, I think this is going to be a good game, though. I just I think Houston is a little bit better than people think. I don't think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a blowout. Like, I think Tech is really that bad. I think Tech is horrible i think they're closer to kansas than any any other team ahead of them in the big 12 like i think they are that bad wow okay okie dokie all right moving on to a uh, a game that looks good like this could have been like a uh this could have been a pretty good bowl game like about 10 years ago but is now a rock fight uh stanford versus kansas state this game being held at cowboys stadium 11 a.m the old big 12 championship special uh Wildcats favored by three. Now, this line has actually shifted quite a bit. Uh, Stanford started out as the favorites, and it flipped all the way over to K-State. I'll start because it's uh, my turn on the snake. So I'm pretty high on K-State this year. Uh, I feel like they had a really rough go of it last year with losing Skylar Thompson um, and just kind of never were able to recover from that. I think they are better than their record was, and this it's not even a matter of staying healthy because it's game one hopefully they could just stay healthy for game one. Um, but I think, I think Thompson and Duke Vaughn have enough to get them by here. Uh, this Stanford team, not good. Uh, they're over under their win total, I believe is like four this year, which is shockingly low for Stanford. 
Um, but I think I think K State's just good enough to get across here. So give me the Wildcats at uh, th- uh, minus three. Blake, who do you got? I think this is my prediction. Is this is about to be another unanimous pick by all of us? There's really nothing to love about Stanford here. They got gutted on the offensive side of the ball last year, and we're talking about a quarterback that started to play good, uh, Mills, and now they also got gutted. Their all-conference receiver, Semi Fihoko, sorry, and their quarterback options are grim. They're absolutely grim. They got either Jack West, who's a senior on their team, but he's only had two starts ever while he's been at Stanford, and their other guy, who is uh, Tanner McGee, he's a sophomore off of his Mormon mission. He's the high ceiling type of guy, but he really hasn't been able to prove it whatsoever. Their defense is horrendous. It's 93rd in the nation, and their two best linemen, their two best defenders that they had that was even holding that group together are gone. And we're starting to see why Stanford is not going to be the powerhouse we once knew them. They were a team that was able to recruit well, those kind of guys that – uh, they wanted academically, and they can still kind of do that. But the problem is there's a new element in college football, and it's transfers. Nobody after their freshman year of college academics is going to be able to transfer into Stanford. And that really is going to hurt when you see teams that plug those immediate holes with those guys from other schools, and Stanford just will never have the ability to do that. So I think what the Stanford we're going to see on Saturday is the Stanford we're going to see in the future. And I just think K-State – Skylar Thompson, that experience, they K-State, even in the Bill O'Brien era, or not Bill O'Brien, sorry, <laughs> Bill Snyder era, <laughs> RIP, uh, has uh, was able to fill spots with JUCO guys, and they've kind of continued that success, taking some guys from smaller schools and filled those holes. And so I think this is going to be unanimous. I think K-State's going to run away with this. Stanford's a really bad team. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Ty, who do you got? Yeah, uh, just to clarify, uh, Blake, Bill Snyder is still alive. I don't know about that. Jury's still out. <laughs> Jury's still out. Jury's still out. Okay. Um, yeah, so I I, uh, I concur with, with Blake here. First thoughts were Stanford. Uh, but I got to give K-State, obviously, that, that respect that they deserve. Um, but, yeah, I, give me K-State minus three here, especially because it's at home. Yeah. yeah. It's, you're picking quarterback. Uh, no, Skylar Thompson, Davis Mills gone. Uh, I think this was pretty easy. If you could have gotten in on this line whenever it was leaning towards Stanford, that's a great pick. K-State minus three. Absolutely, absolutely. Kind of had to zoom past that one because we got a tasty one to talk about, folks. I've been waiting for months, for months to talk about this game. Number 23, Louisiana, at number 21, Texas. The Horns favored by eight. This line has dropped all the way down from 14. Jameson, the snake is at your end. Do you think Texas gets upset? Does the does the Sark era start in tragedy? Is Orange Bloods on fire at at at, at six o'clock on on Saturday night? Yeah, it's you know Louisiana played very well last year. Obviously, whenever they came out and beat Iowa State, um, people were very surprised and um then moving forward i just really wasn't that too impressed with them i understood they gave coastal carolina a good thing but they had a couple of sloppy games at the end of the season hey blake is their quarterback returning uh yes levi lewis is back for us okay so that's gonna give that's gonna give texas problems and he's he's very you know he's very talented dual threat quarterback has given him a lot of problems but 
You know, I know Bobby's been clamoring for this. Gonna, he's going to pick him straight up. Um, but Ty, you know what I think? Don't you dare do it. Don't you dare do it. <laughs> Give me Texas minus eight. This isn't UTEP. This isn't UTEP. It's different. All right, Ty. Are you going to do it to me here? Are you going to do it? I don't know it? what that means. Uh, but, but to be fair, so um, Louisiana Lafayette, big credit to them. They won 10 games last season, uh, but their schedule was garbage. Um, I really, I think that. Um, they played Iowa State, Ty. They Iowa State garbage. Iowa State at home. <laughs> Iowa State is garbage. Anyways, um, I really, I, I gotta go. I gotta go with the heart here. I gotta go with what I think is by far the reasonable pick. You can see by the rankings, and and listeners that they can't see the rankings probably know, but Texas is ranked higher. The majority of the experts believe Texas to be a better team. I think with an eight point line, it's in Austin. Give me horns up, hook them horns. Go Texas. I think that I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think this is a layup. I think it is. I, I really think it is. I think Texas is going to make a statement. And I truly, from my heart, I want Texas to be good. I want Texas to be winning every game that's not Red River because I want that to be a great game. I want us to have rivals that are deserving of the rivalry and that are deserving of the, you know, bullshit or not, uh, pardon my French, move that that we just pulled together you know texas is our partners in going forward for the next however long i really want them to be good um so i i gotta go with texas here on on everything that i can come up with okay blake so i gotta go with the trendy pick here i'm not as high as some other people that think the upset's gonna happen in austin but i do think louisiana lafayette's gonna cover and the reason is, is this is just a really, really bad matchup for a first-year coach in Steve Sarkeesian and their first opponent that they're playing. The Louisiana Lafayette's returning 10 starters on the offensive side. They, they are one of those group of five teams that really utilize the COVID exemption to bring back these super seniors, and that starts with Levi Lewis. This man is the perfect quarterback that you want for a team like Louisiana. He is, he's solid and he doesn't turn the ball over. And in a game like this, that is really going to be the key is that we saw against the Maryland's that upset Texas. They played well those games. They didn't turn the ball over. They didn't make mental mistakes. And that's really what won them the day. And so if you look at last year, uh, Louisiana Lafayette was 10 in turnovers. That's 13th best in the nation. Uh, they don't turn the ball over. And I think they keep, they're going to be a steady program. They're going to be a steady team. They can run the ball really well. They can do a little bit in the pass. It's just a hard team to defend with somebody that's so, that's bringing back so many people. And I said 10 returning, returning starters on the offense. They're returning 10 on the defense as well. So you're getting basically the same team we saw last year that went into Ames, Iowa, upset, uh, upset Ohio, Iowa State, sorry. And we're getting that again this year in Austin. And Texas, the, the, I'm not going to deny, like, Texas is going to be good this year. I don't like the whole fact that they're going to be playing two quarterbacks this game. That never works out. I've seen it happen at my own school. It like, if you can't pick one by fall, you just got to roll with one and hope for the best. But Bijan Robinson's good running back. 
he's going to alleviate at least some of the pressure off of whichever quarterbacks in in play. This is going to be a close game, but just eight points is too much for me for an experienced squad that has had a upset on its resume with basically the current squad. So give me Louisiana Lafayette. Fair enough. And you know, here's the thing about Texas is there is so much hype about Steve Sarkeesian. This is going to be different. This is going to be different from all the other guys who are going to be different. And here's the thing. It's not because I've seen this happen over and over and over again in Austin, all this hype, all this stuff ready to go. Sarkeesian's going to be the savior. Uh, Casey Thompson's going to be the savior. Well, guess what? Casey Thompson isn't even the starting quarterback. He, they don't even have a starting quarterback. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. So I'll, I'll say this right now. Houston or, uh, LA, or Louisiana, Louisiana already has a better quarterback than Texas right now because Texas has zero quarterbacks. That is going to be a disaster. Until they figure that out, that's a mess. So right off the bat, you have a Red Bomar, Paul Thompson situation at Texas. So that's, that's obviously bad. Then you got Billy Napier, who is an excellent head coach, turned down offers at Auburn, turned down offers across the country, South Carolina. I think he might be better than Sark. I think he might be a better head coach than Sark because Sark, every place he's been as at a head coach, he has not done anything like what Billy Napier has done at Louisiana. I'm just saying I, I th- he's, he's done great work as an offensive coordinator for Nick Saban. When you have all of the tools in the offense and you have Nick and you have Nick Saban to guide you. Yeah, that's great. Good job. I think he's going to be a solid coach. I think Napier is a better coach. This seems like it's too obvious of an upset. But you know what? That's because it's going to be an upset. Louisiana wins this one straight up. I know I telegraphed this one a long way coming, but Louisiana's winning this ballgame, folks. I'm telling you. It is going to be Armageddon in Austin. And if it, look, if they don't do it, I will eat all the crow in the world right here. I will. If someone could go like shoot a crow and like grill it or something, I will eat that crow. I will say I will eat crow on this. If someone delivers me a crow, I will eat it. If Texas wins this ball game, somebody please, oh dear God, clip this. God. Please clip this. Bobby, come at me, orange buns. Coming out. You you got some punishment already to keep on going. We won't go on that on the on live right here. But if you of want course. to stack more punishments on you, come on, let's do it. Okay, fair. I, that's how I really believe Louisiana is winning this ball game. I really believe it. If they don't, I'll eat the crow. I will eat the crow. But uh, I, I've left everyone speechless. That's okay. Fine, whatever. Uh, we're moving on to the game that everyone is looking forward to this uh, college football Saturday. Tulane at Oklahoma, but not really at Oklahoma because they'll use the road team still. Uh, Sooners favored by 31. This line moved up after the game was moved from Yulman Stadium to Norman. It's a lot of a lot of points to lay. 31's a lot, and this is kind of like just you know throwing a dart in the dark. Uh, because here's the thing: Tulane, you know, they've been through a lot this week. They've been practicing. They've been grinding. The only thing they've had to think about, other than their situations at home, is football. It's been an escape for them. This is a situation where they can really use that to their to their advantage. Or maybe they're just tired of all the, you know, situation and might not come out fully, you know, at full strength. But so I, I think there is real merit to betting Tulane plus 31. However, I think this OU team is going to come out on fire. I think they're going to really step on the gas. Uh, 
and step on the gas to a point where I don't think there'll be a back door uh, for Tulane to walk in. So give me OU minus 31, but uh, this don't bet this at all. It's a crapshoot. It is not going to be a very good bet. So um, I would avoid it. I, I'm going to go OU minus 31 for the purpose of the contest. Blake? Yeah, I'll keep this quick. Uh, the reason why I bet OU to win the national championship this year is I just think they're one of the most well-rounded teams in the nation. Great offense, great defense. I think they just make Tulane look like an FCS school at this point. And Bobby kind of touched on it, and as sad as it is, it's their minds are kind of in other places right now and just kind of having to deal with the struggles of not being in your home facilities and just wondering where you're going to be next. And the fact that they lost two of their best defensive linemen last year, one who led uh, the team in sacks and the other being named by PFF, the most valuable defensive lineman. It's just too much to overcome. Give me OU. I think this one, they're just going to smoke them. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Ty, who do you got? Yeah, so uh, this one this one is rough for me because it's like it's just a ridiculous line. They, OU always gets these ridiculous lines. Um I, I really don't like like this one. I like I said last week. I think the home field advantage for OU is accentuated because Tulane has been practicing for the past week at um, a couple different places. Actually, uh, somewhere I'm not entirely sure off my head. Uh, and then just recently, they've been practicing at Bama's facilities. So Tulane has been on the road essentially for over a week now. Um, and you know, we're not even really close to, to the game in Norman here. So Tulane, I think is going to be that, that does wear on you. I think that's going to be a big factor. Tulane, obviously a much worse team, no disrespect to them, uh, compared to OU, but there's just 31 is hard to see because you have that sort of 28, that four touchdown threshold that teams really get off the gas and really don't care um, and Lincoln Riley is, you know, more or less infamous for that. We've lost a game, uh, at least one big game, because we've stepped off the gas when we were up by less than 31. So I really don't think Lincoln Riley has it in his heart to stay on the gas. And I think that's probably the right decision because you want to, you know, preserve players and, and load management, especially when it comes to the running backs, like we've talked about earlier in the week. So I I hate to say it, but I kind of have to go. I think the reasonable take is to take Tulane here, plus 31. I don't think that's too unreasonable at all. 31 is a lot of points to lay for any any team. And, um, you know, I, I could definitely see Lincoln taking taking his foot off the gas here. Uh, Jameson, who do you got? Lincoln taking his foot off the gas is a decent argument. What's not a good argument is saying, like, they've had a lot going on and they're going to come and show out and play for Louisiana. No, that's not what it is. It's the complete opposite. They have not been in their comfort zone, and they've been all over the place, not practicing at home, being away from their loved ones whenever they should be close to their loved ones and they should be figuring out what's going on, whether that be friends or you know relationships at college. So their heads are in a completely different space. And that's one thing maybe if you have like a huge rival you're showing up to where it's like a plus three, minus three line. But whenever you're going up against a minus three one where not a lot of players – really think that they have any chance in this in the back of their head. Obviously, they can get pumped up to play because that's what you have to do as um, athletes. But you know in the back of your mind, you're just going to get stomped. And I, I'm sorry. Like, 
that's just not a good recipe for someone just to go out there and play a full four quarters and play hard. It's going to be probably 31 to three at halftime. And yeah, Tulane could keep and be scrappy and not, you know, get a back door. Um, but once you're at that point and you got all that stuff going on in your life, how much are you going to fight in that third and fourth quarter? Um, I like, OU minus 31 a lot. I think, I think that's fair. I just, you know, sports are weird sometimes. And sometimes, you know, adversity and going through a lot of stuff can like pull that out of you. But I, I, I do agree that the more likely scenario is they're just really damn tired. Um, and thoughts and thoughts go out to Tulane and everyone in the Gulf coast for sure. So hopefully it's a good game. Hopefully it uh, raises a lot of money for uh, hurricane Ira and everything. And um, you know, the relief from that, but let's move on to a little lighter topic. We have our first edition of the wild card. Jameson, the snake's on your end. Who do you got? So I really wanted to pick a Thursday game because I wanted something a little extra to get me excited for college football. Watch the Thursday game be into it. So I'm looking at the Thursday games, and what would be something fun? What would be a, a team that I can hop on and just love? Just love. And then the first thing that pops up, I see the Citadel versus Coastal Carolina, 35-point dogs, and I go, Ooh. And I, I immediately, immediately move very quickly past that. And the next I see Weber State, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going with Damian Lillard. And then I see Southern Utah versus Arizona State as a plus 45 dog, and I'm like, oh, man, all of these are nasty. I don't like any of these. And I was like, okay, well, I still got to pick a Thursday game. And so I said, you know what? I know this sucks. This isn't fun picking some bad team, but let's go against dirty – um, Minnesota and pick Ohio State minus 14 because there you Tanner go. Morgan is still there and bald Tanner Morgan has tricked people into thinking he's a good quarterback in actuality all he does is just fluke it last year so I think Ohio State and their wide receiving core is going to put up massive points where they can't keep up in Minnesota. yes but have you thought about the weather weather difference between Ohio's oh, and uh, Minnesota God. Oh man, I'll save my mulligan for later when I need it. <laughs> that 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 sixty degree weather is going to be a distraction. Uh, I have to I have to roast myself sometimes. Yeah, Ty, yeah, but I, it had it had to be a Thursday game for me. Ty, you're up next. Yeah, so this one, um, I really, I really had to go. So I I was kind of scanning um, Sports Illustrated specifically when I was doing my my homework. And one really stood out to me. It was the only game that for some reason, even, and I just double checked, even to now, if you go to the SI website uh, under their gambling subsection, they still have not picked a favorite. It's a total draw uh, to them. And it's one that's sort of topical to me and, and shout out to the hat. And that game is Mississippi state versus Louisiana tech, Mississippi state coached by Mike Leach, obviously, is favored currently by 23 and a half points. Uh, and a lot of people still have not picked a favorite, which is odd because it's a half point, you know, that, that cannot happen. Um, and that really stood out to me, obviously, because, because my background. Um, and I, I got to say, it's, it's a risky, you know, it's, I, if we're going to take risky stuff right out from the gate, um, I'm going to take a risky, the, obviously the easy take here was to take a, you know, a, a minus one line because there are several this week, but I'm going to go ahead and take Mississippi state minus 23 and a half against Louisiana Tech. That is 
I think a very risky line. I'm not trying to hedge at all. Uh, they were four and seven last year, three and seven in conference. Uh, but if everyone remembers, they really did show out right before conference play last year and blew some people out. So I have faith in Mike Leach. I have faith in the cowbell. I have faith in, in uh, that Stark Vegas will take it and win by at least 24. So really wild. I'm trying to go out of pocket here. Give me Mississippi State by at least 24 to cover that 23 and a half. They also did finish on a very strong note, um, beating uh, Tulsa in their bowl game. So that that is not that bad. Um, okay, Blake, are you doing randomizer this year? I'm not doing randomizer just because I didn't have it set up, and there was a game I really, really, really wanted to talk about on the slate that I liked, and so I don't think I could have left it up to the random number generator. It's not like the Campbell Camels last year, but – uh, a team I kind of harped on in our preseason preview, and it's the team I'm heavily rooting for, is my bandwagon team of the year. I love them, but Nevada plus three at Cal. There is so much to like about the Wolfpack this year, and it starts with Carson Strong at quarterback. He's going to be, mark my words, he's going to be a first-round draft pick next year. This guy is awesome. And like a lot of the G5 teams that you're seeing, these guys aren't – most of them aren't playing for the NFL draft. So they're coming back. They have a super senior lineup. They have 10 returners on uh, the offensive side of the ball. And for something I have never seen before, all their starters on defense right now are all seniors, every single one of them. So you're getting a highly experienced G5 squad that really showed their prowess uh, with uh, in the offensive game last year. And look, they have two awesome receivers. They have uh, Romeo Dubes, who uh, was close to 1,000 yard, or he was a 1,000-yard wide receiver last year. And then Elijah Cooks, who's returning from injury back from 2019. He's coming back. He was close to a 1,000-yard receiver. This is going to be a high-powered G5 offense that we're really going to be hearing about this year. And my pick easily to win the, uh, to win the Mountain West this year. And look, if you're looking on the other side of uh, the ball with Cal, if you watched the Cheez It Bowl a few years ago, Cal looks just about identical to what we saw in the Cheez It Bowl. This team is really good defensively, but is absolutely horrendous, horrendous, horrendous on the offensive side of the ball. They were 38th in defense last year, which is like that's that's re- solid, like good P5, like you're like towards the top of the P5. 114th in offense. This is a Pac-12 team. This is a P5 team that's 114th in offense. And their uh, their whole hype machine is the returning the same uh, starting quarterback. But look, if you can't, with that starting quarterback, get into the hundreds as a P5 school, I can't trust Cal this year. TC plays Cal in two weeks. I think the Horn Frogs are going to smash him in Fort Worth. This is going to really hurt our strength of schedule because I think Nevada just routes them, routes them in Berkeley. Really going to put the Mountain West on the uh, map this year. So give me Nevada plus three. I like it. I like it. I like that pick a lot. Um, okay, my turn. And I'm not going to lie. I was almost completely heartbroken. My heart almost fell out of my stomach because Jameson started talking about Thursday games and games he liked. And I thought he was going to try to snag my pick from me, but he didn't. And I hope he, I, I don't know if he changed his mind out of the bottom of his heart or what, but. I am going back to the well. I know people are taking risks. I know people are going out there. I'm going with Appalachian State minus 10 against Eastern Carolina. Uh, this is the Duke's Mayo Bowl Classic. Uh, so that's always the plus for, uh, you know, the Mountaineers. So I'm giving 
I'm just saying that line is pretty good for a Eastern Carolina team that was really, really not great last year. Uh, three and six. Um, granted, it was in the American, but I think Yosef is good enough to win by at least two touchdowns on this one. So give me App State. Um, App State minus two. Or sorry, sorry, two two scores uh, minus ten. Yeah, it's been a long pod, folks. Um, all right, so we got App uh, Nevada. Mississippi State, Ohio State. I like it. Well, guys, this has been a very good, very good pod. Very long pod. Uh, so thank you all, you all for watching through all of our slate. Um, I cannot wait to watch some college football. I'm fired up. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to get this season started. And um, always, always got to give a shout-out to our guys at uh, the Pigskin Podcast Network for uh, helping us put this on. Got a lot of great stuff. We officially launched today. So looking forward to that. Uh, got a lot of cool stuff down the pipe. So uh, final thoughts. Uh, we'll, we'll snake back around. Blake, what do you have to say? This is one of the best week one slates we've seen in a while and probably one of the best weeks of the year that we're going to see when it comes to some of these out-of-conference games. I'm super excited. It's one of those uh, It's one of those slates that really has you captivated Thursday through Monday this week. So enjoy it. College football is back. We got a little taste of it, but we'll have plenty to come this season. For sure, for sure. Ty, final thoughts? Uh, I, I just want to, you know – say in, in postscript to all of our picks i'm not trying to make excuses but you never really know until about a month then you know we, we never really know until we get into to season play so i i want to say i think we're all kind of shooting from the hip here but i'm very excited for this tremendous week one slate it's a great slate if you're a fan of college football and if you're a, a gambler we've got some better than normal week one lines this year uh, outside of the ou game so Great, great time to be a college football fan. Definitely, definitely. Jameson, final thoughts. Yeah, I guess I'll kind of go away from the picks and just on OU's standpoint. I understand there's been some things circulating about Theo Weiss and his possible lower extremity injury. I don't know how quickly we'll hear about what actually is going on there. Um, but if you're all worried, wide receiver is the one position at OU that they could take it. And Theo Weiss, you know, could be a guy that could be big this year, but also it opens up to where a guy like Mario Williams could come in, a guy like Mike Woods could come in and just be big time. So I don't think it's going to be too much of a hit for us moving forward. So don't worry, OU fans. Uh, yeah, I agree, I agree on that. Uh, that's the position we're deepest at, I would say, overall. So I wouldn't be too worried just yet, but it is a loss. Um, and this team just feels snake bit, but – no matter yeah, what. We don't, and we don't even know. I There's like some people thinking that it could be a foot. Some people saying it's a knee. There's obviously we have no idea because they don't release injuries that well. Um, we'll probably know within the next day or whenever it's released, there'll probably be some insider on a paid site. Um, but um, hopefully it's optimistic. Agreed. Agreed. Well, folks, been a good pod. And I just want to say, enjoy this. It has been a tough year, uh, tough year and a half. And, you know, this is going to feel like uh, this is going to be good. I'm excited to have a full slate of college football, non-conference, all of that, all the way back. And just just soak it up. Enjoy it because I, I know I definitely will. So uh, whether you're watching the games, you know, wherever you're at or, you know, on campus or, you know, sitting back, enjoying the weekend, 
just have a great time. Have a great weekend, y'all. We we are in the season. We're diving in, and I, for one, can't wait to do it. So uh, make sure to – if you like this show, tell your friends. Um, leave a review, five stars, all that good stuff. And we will see you next week when we are recapping the OU Tulane game. So for me, Jameson, Ty, and Boaten Blake, this has been the Weekend Spread presented by the Schooner Pod. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one. Good luck out there. <laughs>